Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. We've been talking about we, who we are, and we at CWC love God, love people, change the world. And we love God, first of all, through following Jesus, by obeying God. Secondly, that we love God, Pastor Matt shared, by serving, giving our gifts and using your gifts and your talents and your abilities and sharing them with other people. Because when you don't, not only do you miss out on using your gift, if you know how to play the drums and you're not using it, you not only does your skill dissipate, but you steal that ability from people to enjoy your gift as well. The third thing, last week or a couple weeks ago, I spoke on giving, that we learned to give as well. And we shared with you that God wants us to give as a priority. Everyone say priority. God wants us to give the first fruits, to give your best. If I'm going to offer you a drink or a bite of my food, I'm not going to give you the last bite. I'm going to give you the first bite, the first drink. God also wants us to give in a percentage. It's called the tithe, that we give percentage giving. But not, also, not only that, but it's a progressive giving as well. That if you're giving the same amount you did 30 years ago, and you're not increasing that, then there's an issue. Our giving should grow as well. And we're not just talking money. We're talking in our time, our talent, and our treasure. And so God expects us, we show our love for God in how we give. Because God so loved the world that he, and so we express that we love God based on giving the way God did. And today, I want to talk to you about the fourth area that we show we love God is learning to love like God in loving. And so how, how many of you have ever run into a pretty unloving Christian? And you're like, man, you're supposed to represent Christ, and this is the way you're acting? John chapter 14, or John chapter 15, verse 12 says this. This is my commandment. Love each other the same way I have loved you. This jacks me up. Because I'm not very good at loving like Jesus did. Because I have conditions on my love. I, I have certain strings attached to my love sometimes. But Jesus is telling me and shaking me, telling me, this is my commandment. Love each other the same way. Someone say same way. I loved you. Pray with me now. Father, help. Please help. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want you to know what loving like Jesus means is that Jesus modeled what his love looks like. And how we should love one another as well. And too many times the church, and I take blame for this myself, is that the church has been known by the things that we don't love rather than for the things we do love. We've been known and identified more by what we stand against more than what we get. We identified what we stand for. And it's time that the church begins to be known, as Jesus said, you will know my disciples by their love. And it's important that we once again start learning if we CWC has to be a place, this is us, we have to be a place that learns to love like Jesus. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. 
So how did Jesus love this morning? I want to share with you very quickly three ways I believe Jesus loved. Number one, Jesus loved consistently, consistent love. And you see that with the prodigal son. I just realized as I was preparing this week, I said, I got a friend that the only time he shows up to church is when I talk to him about the prodigal son. And this is going to be like the third time I've spoken on the prodigal son. And the third time I think he's shown up. Give every time I speak on the prodigal son, you show up to church. I think God's trying to tell you something, bro. Now, he, he's, he's not a prodigal. He's, he's okay. He's good with God. But every single time it seems like I preach on this, he's here. Third, the second area is a covering love. That God has a love that covers us. He doesn't expose us, but he covers us. And thirdly, a costly love. God's love costs something. They talk about this cheap grace. Uh, There is no such thing as a cheap grace because the grace of God cost him his life. He gave all of him for you and I. And so I want to talk to you, first of all, about a consistent love. Turn to Luke chapter 15. And as you're turning there, Luke 15 is known as the lost chapter. And because it it refers to a lost coin, a lost sheep, and it refers to a lost son. When it talks about the coin, the coin gets lost. And how many know that when you lose money, whose fault is that? It's it's money. money. Money doesn't have feet. It doesn't have arms. It doesn't have a head. You lose money. It's on you, right? Now, I'm not talking losing money in the stock market. I'm just talking about you had 20 bucks and where's that? I lost it. That's on you. Then he talks about a lost sheep. Now, if you own a dog or, or, or a sheep or you own something and that pet gets out, who's responsible for that animal? And in the first two instances, you see the lost coin. The woman tears the house apart looking for that coin. You see the sheep. The, the shepherd goes crazy looking all over the countryside looking for that sheep. But when it comes to the son, the father doesn't chase the son down. Because if a coin gets lost, the coin didn't make a choice to get lost. If the sheep gets lost, the sheep might have decided to run off, but the owner had a responsibility to keep its eye on it. But when a son of age makes a decision to walk away, Whose choice is that? You never see the father running after the son. In fact, the son comes to the dad and says, Dad, I want half of my inheritance. I want you to cash out the 401ks. I want you to cash out my my, my WFG insurance policies. I want you right now to cash me out, and I want to get on the road because I want you to sell half of the house. I want the equity of the house that belongs to me because I'm out of here. And the father, instead of saying, boy, are you stupid or something, doesn't do that. He does it. The father gives it to the kid. I'm telling you, Jazzy, you walk up and ask for half your inheritance now, sweetie, I love you, but it ain't happening. (laughs) You can beg me, but it ain't going to take place. And, And yet he gives it to his son. And the Bible says that he wasted on prodigal living. What's prodigal living? Prodigal living talks about prostitutes, drugs, and that he's literally living a life of promiscuity. He's totally blowing his money. He's, he, he's making it rain at the club. Everyone uh, drinks on me. Everyone's around him. As long as he had the fetty, as long as he had the dead presidents, people loved him. But the moment the money was gone, everyone abandoned him. Some of y'all have friends like that. I ain't pointing fingers. I'm just saying that some of you guys have, when you're rolling, 
you, you got, you got a, you're rolling deep. But when you, when you don't have anything, all of a sudden they disappear. And he finds himself in a foreign land with nothing. Broke, sitting there in the midst of the pigs. And the Bible says that he finds himself feeding the pigs. And as he's feeding them, the food that he's feeding them begins to look appetizing to him. Oh, you got to catch this. What was normally not appetizing to him, he begins to look at and thinks, oh, that looks pretty good. You, you know you're jacked up when things you never thought would be attracted to you become an option for you. And you begin to think, well, that, that's not too bad. Maybe I should try this. And he's in a situation that realizing that at home, in his father's house, there's plenty of food. Everything that he needs is taken care of there. And the Bible, notice what happens here. I want you to capture this. He has this come to Jesus moment. Have you ever had the come to Jesus moment? That, that come to Jesus moment is when you realize, what am I doing here? I'm better than this. In fact, he literally comes to his senses. And the Bible says that word in the, he, in the Greek, senses, literally means a self-realization, an awakening like an alarm clock going off, where he literally looks around and says, man, I'm better than this relationship. I'm better than this, than this situation. I'm better than this crisis. I'm better than this sickness. I'm better than this, this struggle. I'm better than where I'm at right now. I'm better than where I'm living. I'm better than this situation. And I need someone to hear me this morning. You You are better than what you're going through right now. And until you realize you're better than what you're facing, you will never break out of that situation. You have to have your own come to Jesus moment in your life. In verse verse 20 of chapter 15 of the book of Luke, it says, So the son set off from home. He finally gets up from the midst of the pigs and the slop, and he gets up and says, I'm not staying here anymore. Yet you have to make a choice to get up and get out. I want to speak a prophetic word to you. I believe that we are in the season of the prodigal sons coming home once again. That there is going to be a rush of people that once knew the glory and the grace of God. Sons and daughters coming home once again. But you know what's a trip is this. Did the prodigal son's father know when the son was coming home? Yet when we read that word... It says, so the young son set off for home. And from a long distance, how, how long? A long distance away, the father saw him. What's that tell me? The dad may have not ran after to look for him, but every day he was looking for him. Now, now, God may not have to run after you to go find you, but God is every day waiting for you to respond and to come back. Now, this son was jacked up. He left in an Armani suit. He left looking good. He, looked, he left clean, hair combed. But on the way back, the suits were gone. He had rags that he was wearing. His hair matted from the mud from the pigs. He had no shoes anymore. And as he's coming down the, the way, the father sees him and recognizes immediately. I don't have to see his his clothes. I don't have to see his money. I don't have to see his cars. But that is my son I see on the way home. And he runs to greet him. 
I'm here to tell you, God's looking for you right now. God is keeping his eye on you in this moment. And it doesn't matter what your condition is. God is still looking at you. What am I saying is that God's love is consistent. You hear me? Well, God's love is consistent. The father hugs him. The Bible says he kisses him on his cheek over and over. Listen, no threats, no lectures, no conditions, just a hug. If it had been me, I would have been like, wait, wait, wait a minute. Before I let you back in the house, you're going to promise that, number one, you're not going out anymore. You're not going to do this. You're not going to do that. You're, you're going to, these are the conditions in order for you to come back. Ain't that right? You know, all of a sudden, I got all these conditions. But this father just embraced. It says, my son was dead, but now is alive. I'm here to tell you that life is about to happen for you. You think you're dead? Life is about to take place at a new level in your life today. Consistent love. Someone say consistent love. CWC has to be a place where people have second chances. Oh, no, you didn't hear me. CWC has to be a place where people get a second chance at life. Come on, somebody give God praise right there. That's a good word. We live in a world where people need second chances, third chances, fourth chances, 40th chances, you know, hundredth chances, and you know what I'm talking about there. I have a question for you this morning. Who can you love to life? Who around you can you love to life. Stop putting conditions on them and just start loving them. So everyone say consistent love. Second thing I want to talk to you about is a covering love. Now I'm going to have the worship team come help me because time time is getting away from us. So I'm going to bring this together. In John chapter 8 verse 5 and 6 it tells a story about the woman. You can just write this down about the woman caught in adultery. Now, when it says caught, it doesn't mean they think they caught her. They, they caught her in the dude doing the nasty. They, they, they were bumping uglies. They were, doing, they were taking care of business. They, caught, they walked in on them. And the Bible says that literally they took the woman, not the man. They took the woman and brought her before Jesus. If they caught them in the middle, where's the dude? Why not bring the man as well? Why not have both of them before? They set this woman up. They set her up, and the guy, they, he, he, was, he got away scot-free, and they lay her before Jesus, and they say, she, she was caught in adultery. What do you, the word says that we should stone her. What do you say? And Jesus does something. You take a look at the Bible in John chapter 8, verse 5 and 6. It says that she comes over to, turns his back on the crowd, and he, what's he do? He stoops. That word in the Greek literally means that he came down to her level. He humbled himself. He, he stooped. He, he, he came down to her level. He bent down on his knee. And with his finger on, on the dirt right here, as they're yelling at him, we should stone her, he begins to write something in the dirt. I believe he wrote the name of the man that she was just with. And he was a respected individual, so when they saw it, it's like, oh, no, no, he knows what's going on here. Then, as they begin to yell at Jesus, the Bible says that he gets back up again and tells them, he who is without sin casts the first stone. Now, there's only one person there that is sinless. 
The only one qualified to throw the rock is the one that's defending her. So Jesus stands up to defend her, stoops down to protect her. Stands up to protect her, stoops down to love her. Stands to protect, stoops down to love. Jesus, he couldn't pull us up to where he was in our condition. So he came down to where we were in our messed up condition. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 that Jesus laid aside his, his glory, his majesty, and humbled himself and came down in the form of a man, of a servant. That's how much he loved you. Steps out of glory. You know what? I've always said the greatest miracle wasn't Bartimaeus' blind eyes opening. Wasn't Lazarus raising from the dead after four days. Or even Jesus resurrecting or even walking on water. The greatest miracle to me is that God, the one that said, let there be light, created the world and hung it on nothing. That a baby's body could hold his glory without exploding. That flesh could hold the glory of God. See, love came down and protected her, watched over her. I want to know, can you love someone out of their sin? Do you have the ability to love someone out of their situation this morning? As I close, I want you to see this. Jesus tells him in verse 8, 11, 10 and 11 of chapter 8. Tells her, where are your accusers? She goes, I, I, I don't see them. She goes, her head was down so long. She couldn't even see that no one was accusing her anymore. Some of you, your head has been so down in life for so long, you don't even see that your accusers are gone, but you're still condemning yourself. And Jesus tells her, Where you're, there's no one here accusing you any longer. Go and sin no more. In other words, what he's telling her is that I love you the way you are, but I refuse to allow you to stay that way. Genesis chapter 3, we see the story of Adam and Eve when they get busted for sin. Just like this woman. What does God do? He covers them. He makes clothes for them. I want you to know God is still covering you today. God loves you so much, he is still covering you today. I'm going to have the ushers do me a favor. You can start passing out the red cards. The last kind of love that I want to share with you as these cards are coming out to you, they say love people. And as you see these crosses here, the crosses right now have names of people that we believe need to come to know Jesus. Family members, friends, even your enemies that if they don't come to know Christ, the Bible says they're There's only one place they're going to go if they don't come to have a relationship with Jesus. And I refuse to have anyone I love go to hell on my watch. I refuse to have someone I love, someone I care about, find themselves in that situation. See, it's not about going to church. It's about having people having an encounter with God. 
And I want to encourage you today that the last kind of love that God has for you is a costly love. That Jesus loved us so much that he gave his life for us. The Bible says in John 18, 17 and 18, that Jesus carried his own place to the place they called the skull. Why the skull? Golgotha. Why was Jesus crucified at the place called the skull? Because the problem in many of our lives is our thinking. It all starts with our mind. And Jesus understood that if I can't change the mind, I'm never going to be able to affect the body or their future. If we can get the mind straight, we can handle everything else. Jesus died so that our minds can be straight. For he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of right thinking. This morning, I want you to know that God loves you with the costly love. That the same hands that rode in the dirt are now nailed to a cross because he loved you. Now I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. I know we got the pins that are... I'm going to ask you just to stand to your feet this morning. First thing I want you to do with heads bowed and eyes closed for a moment, you're here right now. And you need the consistent love You need the covering love and you need the costly love of God in your own life. You've gone to church or you've been to church, you've gone to a religious service, but you've never experienced the love of God in a relationship. That God loves you so much that he spread his arms wide on that cross and breathed his last. The creator, the author of life gave up his life so that you could live again. Some of you are feeling so guilty for your past that it's messing you up from your future. And I'm here to tell you that God's love is consistent. God's love will cover you. And God's love this morning is a costly love. It's going to cost you to love some people in your life. But it's worth it when you see them come through. Right where you are, you're here. And you'd simply say, Pastor Dan, I I need to experience the love of God. If that's you, lift your hand right where you are. Yes, yes, yes. I see those hands. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, God bless you. You can put your hands down for a moment. Secondly, you know someone that needs the love of God. If that's you, would you lift your hand in this place as well? You know someone that needs the love of God, a family member, a friend. Whatever the situation may be, they need to come to know. Because I'm telling you, listen to me, folks. If they don't know Jesus, the Bible says... Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes into the Father except through Him. And if Jesus is the only way to heaven, then that means if our family and friends and loved ones that don't know Him are going to end up in a place we don't want them to end up in. So more important than anything else we do is to make sure that our loved ones are with us when we go to heaven. Is to make sure that I'm not just selling something, but that I'm sharing someone. I want to challenge you this morning. I want you to search your heart because these cards that you have right now in your hands, you're going to write names of your loved ones on them, people that you're going to believe that God is going to bring to his saving knowledge, that they're going to come to know the love of God in their life. And then we're going to staple them to the crosses that are up here. And we're going to pray between now and Easter Sunday. 
and believe that the names that are on this cross by Easter Sunday have come to have an encounter with God. That God would prepare them as you get ready to speak to them, invite them, and share with them. And it's not about CWC, it's about the kingdom. It's about getting them into the kingdom of God. So Father, we pray right now for these names that we're about to write down. Lord, we pray right now, Father, for those that lifted their hands and said, God, we need your love in our lives. God, we don't want to just come to church. We want to have a relationship with you. You gave your best for us so that we could give our best to others. Lord, I thank you today for forgiving me, for loving me, for giving me a second chance at life. Lord, this morning, we pray your grace over every heart. I want you to say this with me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I ask you now to come into my heart and to give me a new start. I believe that Jesus died on the cross to show me a consistent, covering, and costly love that you gave up your life for me so that I could live again. So Lord, I ask today for you to come into my heart, come into my life, and give me a new, a new chance at life. I love you because you first loved me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I want you now to do me a favor. I want you just to write these names here. Once you do, I want you just to hold it up, okay? If you need pens, we have pens, uh, Sharpies that are up here. If you want to come out of your seat to come and grab one of the Sharpies here at the altar, you're welcome to do so as well. We can get the Sharpies. Just put them here at the altar. Please don't go without doing this, okay? And don't worry, we're not asking for their phone number. We're not going to call them. Not going to show up at their house tomorrow. But we're going to begin to pray over every one of these names. The staff, you, you're going to pray over every one of these names that's on here. Every Sunday, these names will be before us as we believe God to touch their lives. If you have them, if you're done with them, just hold them up in the air so we know that you're done. I just want to pray over all these names right now as we get get ready to put these up on on the crosses this morning. Father, Lord, you know the names that are written on every one of our cards right now. You know the lives that they represent, my God. You know, Father, the families that they're connected to. And so, Lord, we pray this morning, Father, for every one of these names that are on here, for their families. And, Father God, we pray that, Lord, that we want to see these people, these family members, these loved ones. We want to see them in heaven. We don't want to see them suffering in hell someday, God. We want to see them celebrating in heaven. 
And so, Lord, we pray right now. Your word says that the thief comes, but to still kill and to destroy. But that you came that we might have life in life in abundance. So, Lord, today we're saying we love these people enough to love them like Jesus and say no one's going to hell on our watch. That our loved ones, our family members, the people that we care about, God, that we're going to love them enough, God, to be consistent, to be covering and share a costly love in order to see them someday in heaven. Lord, we ask that you would grant us the boldness to do so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.